Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome to Ayers on the Road Christmas Edition. Just three days left and it's all weekend and holidays. How are we going to get ready? That's the question everyone's asking right now. How am I going to get ready? And Christmas Eve is on Sunday. And uh, wow, then it comes before we it, it does. Oh, my goodness. I, I I know some of you had your Christmas shopping done by November 1st. I have friends that do that. <laughs> I wish we had done that because we've still got lots of envelopes to fill and lots of presents to wrap and, and lots of things to do. Oh, wow. How did we get such a complicated well, life? It makes me want, it makes me long for the, the Christmas when we said no presents, no Christmas. We're just going to Bolivia to, to help people and give service. It was one of the best Christmases we ever had. Yeah, but now there's too many of them in too many places. We can't do that anymore. We can go, though. Maybe we just we just say, our gift to you is we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and a gift to us, too. So anyway, but it's a wonderful That's time. That's an idea. Here. Let's think about Let's that think for about next it. time. Well, we're gonna give we're gonna give you um, we're just gonna add to your confusion by presenting to you today five or six Christmas conundrums. How's that for a little alliteration? Ooh, I've got Christmas one. conundrum. I love the word conundrum. It's just sort of a complicated, messy, unsolvable, almost impossible kind of a problem that's kind of prickly and has a lot of dimensions to it, okay? Just what you wanted, right? right. No, no, because we're going to solve these Christmas conundrums for you in a half hour on a podcast. Exactly. How's that for We're ready to go. A bold statement. So I'm going to mention five or six Christmas conundrums. And you're going to comment a little on each of them, dear. We're not going to get into the solutions until after our break. So don't go away during the break because then you you will have just heard all the conundrums and you won't have heard how to solve any of them. Exactly. But during the second half, we're going to completely wipe them out. I know we are. We were going <laughs> to. In fact, I'm the one that moved it the worst right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, we're doing this for ourselves. We're doing this for ourselves. Just know. Okay, so here we go. The Christmas conundrums. Number one, these are not in a particular order, but there are five or six of them. We'll see how many. The conundrum of getting or giving for ourselves and for others. I mean, how much of our kids' time is spent on thinking what they're going to get, what they want? And how much of adult time goes into saying, hey, what are you asking Santa for? Or what are you going to get? Or are you excited? What do you think Santa will bring? So we kind of add to the problem sometimes. And then we get around to saying, what are you going to give? Are you going to give any service? Are you going to go help people in need? Are you going to do what Jesus would do during Christmas time? By the way, there was a beautiful Richard Rohr uh, email today about the real way to give, and and we'll we'll read some of that to you during the second half. Richard Rohr, a Catholic theologian, 
friend who writes kind of like C.S. Lewis almost. He does. He's so brilliant. He's a Jesuit priest and uh, is older now. I think actually he has cancer, and and but he just gets wiser and wiser and wiser as time goes on, and he just is wonderful. So we're going to share that. Okay, here's the second Christmas conundrum. Peaceful or frantic? I mean, we all know that the memorable moments of Christmas are those peaceful times. Maybe it's late at night when everyone's gone to bed and the Christmas lights are still on and there's no noise and you you think about Christmas, you think about Jesus. Or maybe it's just a little epiphany as you're driving around and suddenly full realization hits you that this running around is not Christmas. This is what we do to help others and serve others for Christmas. But the real Christmas is peace and beauty. And, you know, I, I love the name of the song. And we're going to read you a poem by this name during the second half. With wondering awe, with wondering awe. Combining the words wonder and the word awe. How do we get more of that? And how do we get less frantic? That's that's a conundrum. That is a conundrum going on because I have some comments at the end. No, you're not. Do you have any comment on peaceful or frantic other than it's pretty I, that, obvious? But I am frantic. Other <laughs> 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 it is um, just such, a, it's a great time of year, also a really hard time of year. Okay. And here is. Another one, I think this is number three of the Christmas conundrums, commercial or spiritual. I mean, in a way, that's saying the same thing again, but I know it's a it's a dilemma that we all face that we're going to try to give some thoughts on in the second half. And just in time, as we're only three days away from Christmas, right. I mean, now is the time we ought to start turning it down, right? We've Hopefully, we've had all the rush, and now we're just going to say everything's closed. It's the weekend, and then it's Christmas. We're just going to turn down the volume. I am just smiling because <laughs> I am the exact opposite of that right now. I mean, we I ran and had breakfast with a friend this morning, and I'll be talking about that a little bit later. But um, lots and lots and lots of problems, and I am now... Uh, frantically trying to get to the people that we minister to, the last people, but we're meeting them. But because we're t- doing a sub for Santa for out at um, South Valley, where they a long way away. rescue uh, women who are women and children, and some men who are being abused. Uh, physically. And so we're doing a suffer center for them. So, I mean, it's just one thing after the other. And then all the issues that this friend had, man, it does not feel peaceful to me right this minute. And also (laughs) you're getting calmer, Linda, by the time, by the time our little podcast is over, (laughs) you're going to feel like a, like a wet noodle, just loose, relaxed, right, peaceful. Right, right, Oh, man. That's why we do this podcast, is to get ourselves straightened out. I know, I, know, I guess so. But anyway, going on. What's the, is it four or five? Well, uh, here's number four Christmas conundrum. 
It's a big one. We talked a little about it last podcast, but we've got a couple more thoughts on it today. The conundrum of Santa or Jesus. Now, maybe maybe you're thinking, hey, these are all just different ways of saying the same thing. This sort of classic conundrum at Christmas. Now we're really getting into alliteration. The classic conundrum of Christmas. <laughs> How do we separate the real from the imaginary? How do we separate the spiritual from the temporal? How do we celebrate the peaceful from the frantic? How do we celebrate giving from getting? We're going to give you a few ideas in the second half, but the main thing is that we think about it and recognize that there is this dilemma, this conundrum, and, and thinking about it and realizing, you know, that one is more important than the other is what begins to get us to where we want to go. So what do you think? Do you want to say anything? I'm not about the solution yet, but... Do you want to say anything about our kids and their conundrum, Santa versus Jesus, and how they're struggling with it? Um, no, I I think that they're doing pretty well. In fact, we are going to be with uh, two of our families that just moved back from faraway places, uh, and they're now in Provo, Utah. And I'm going to sleep over with our youngest daughter, who has four little kids under eight, and Richard's going to sleep with another family who have four little kids under 12. And my family's going to get up at 5 a.m. That's why I <laughs> offered to go. But we have not been there with Christmas. Well, that was the <laughs> estimate. We said, how long do you think you can keep those kids asleep <laughs> on Christmas morning? And she said, oh, maybe 5 a.m. if we're lucky. Yeah. I said, can't you give them knockout drops or something and keep them asleep till like seven or eight? And she didn't say anything. She only laughed. And she laughed. And I said, I'm happy to be back in that again, because that is what used to happen with our kids. I'm absolutely excited about it. I think it's going to be so fun. And then we're going to combine because they live only a few blocks from each other now. And so I'm going to run over when the 5 a.m. finishes. I could probably be there by the time the other family wakes up. But um, <laughs> It is funny how some, some families' kids sleep a lot better and a lot longer than others. <laughs> well, it's interesting to think, though. I mean, obviously, Christmas morning is Santa, Santa, Santa. And what do we get? And all that stuff. Uh, but I think they all ha are spending some time on Christmas Eve really talking about the Savior's birth and well, however they do it, whether it's the nativity scene, you you have your way of doing this. But I think it's a really good combination. So we'll see what happens. All right. And here is the final conundrum. And it's one we've been thinking a lot about lately. And we're going to read you in the second half a little poem, actually, about this conundrum. And it is, I'll put it in the form of a question. As we learn more of Christ, as we try hard to understand his majesty and his unmatchable love and all the things we struggle with to just even try to comprehend, and, and, and as we worship him, and as we celebrate his birth on Christmas, as we do all those things, as we make all those efforts to try to know more of him and to draw closer to him, 
Here's the question. Does additional knowledge and insight toward Christ, does it really pull us closer to him or does it create greater distance between ourselves and him? Now, most people would sort of instinctively say, well, of course you feel closer to Christ when you study more about him and you pray in his name and you strive to be like him. Of course those things make you feel closer. But we had the most interesting discussion about this in in Sunday school this week where I was leading the discussion, and there were some who begged to disagree and who said, no, no, no. The more we learn of Christ, the more we realize how vast the distance is between us, how perfect he is and how imperfect we are. So ironically, in our effort to draw closer to him, we learn more of him, which makes us realize that he is beyond us by an infinite amount of distance. And so, ironically, some of the people in the class were saying, even though we're trying to draw closer, the more we know, the more we realize how great he is and how essentially nothing we are. Right. And I think that's so wonderful to contemplate. But I just have to say, to wrap all this up, that there is one more conundrum, which fits into all of these things, really. But with this friend that I was with this morning, she has three, uh, sometimes four children who are clinically depressed, who she's taking into for treatments twice a week, one, one of them. Another one has heart issues. These, are, blood these are not children. These, this, are, these, are, these adults. are adults. These are adults. And boy, life gets really hard and really challenging <clears throat> as kids get older with these issues. They have anxiety. Uh, the one is worried about the IRS coming after them for a good deed they did for someone. And there are so no many. No good deed goes unpunished. Right, exactly. And mm-hmm. it, it is life is so complicated. We don't want you to think that we're just in this ethereal mode huh. that, you know, that everything's fine if we love Jesus. And, and it is in the end. It really is. But it really is true that life is really real and it seems like it comes more at christmas we've had five funerals in the last two weeks we had two last week your brother passed uh, and had a beautiful funeral in california and we went to their his funeral on tuesday which was beautiful and uplifting and then we also on saturday went to our little niece's eight-year-old's funeral um, in Logan, complicated life i mean they were she's working for the state department in london and we had to transport that family back and have a beautiful little funeral for this darling little girl. So life is also really complicated at Christmas. And all these things are so beautiful to think about. They are calming if you can really get away from that and, and go to the things that are really important. I'm glad you added that, Linda, because I'm going to call it hard times versus joy. I mean, that's the Christmas conundrum. We want to feel the joy, but some of us, many of us, most of us have personal issues that really worry us and that kind of come into focus more at yeah, Christmas. exactly. So again, there's the, and you got it up to a half a dozen too, which was great. So 
Santa, the conundrums of Santa and Jesus, of closer or more distant from Christ, of commercial and spiritual, of peaceful or frantic, of getting or giving, and of hard times or joy. So stay with us, and we're going to read you some things that may help you to deal with these conundrums when we get to the second half. Be right back on Ayers on the Road. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about Christmas, the beautiful things about it, and the really hard things about it. The conundrums. Yeah. We want to start off by reading you something that we loved today um, about Christmas conundrums. And it really is both. I mean, it's peaceful. It's also really hard. I hope that you agree with us, depending on where you are in your life right now. This is by Richard Rohr, who we mentioned in the opening, and um, it's called Room for Christ. Let's alternate paragraphs, honey, real quickly. In Matthew 25 and 40, it says, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In Matthew 25, Jesus identifies himself as an incarnate always through people in need. Catholic worker co- co-founder Dorothy Day expands on this gospel message. It is no use saying that we are born to that we are born 2000 years too late to give room to Christ, nor will those who live at the end of the world have been born too late. Christ is always with us always asking for room in our hearts. But now it is with the voice of our contemporaries that he speaks, with the eyes of store clerks, factory workers, children that he gazes, with the hands of our office workers, slum dwellers, suburban housewives that he gives. It's with the feet of soldiers and tramps that he walks, and with the heart of everyone in need that he longs for shelter and giving shelter or food to anyone who asks for it or needs it, is giving it to Christ. It would be foolish to pretend that it is always easy to remember this. If everyone were holy and handsome with altar Christus, another Christ, shining in neon lighting from them, it would be easy to see Christ in everyone. If Mary had appeared in Bethlehem clothed, as St. John says, with the sun, a crown of 12 stars in her hand and the moon under her feet, that's from Revelation, then people would have fought to make room for her in their inn. But that was not God's way for her, nor is it Christ's way for himself. Days offer examples of those who ministered to Christ, the Christ child, and how we can too. In Christ's human life, there were always a few who made up the neglect of the crowd. The shepherds did it. 
Their hurrying to the crib atoned for the people who would flee from Christ. The wise men did it. Their journey across the world made up for those who refused to stir one's hand breadth from the routine of their lives to go to Christ. Even the gifts the wise men brought, having themselves in an obscure recompense and atonement for what would follow later in this child's life. For they brought gold, the king's emblem, to make up for the crown of the thorns that he would wear. They offered incense, the symbol of praise to make up for the mockery and spitting. They gave him myrrh to heal and soothe, and he was wounded from head to foot. We can do it too, exactly as they did. We are not born too late. We do it by seeing Christ and serving Christ in friends and strangers and everyone we come in contact with. For a total Christian, the goad of duty is not needed to perform this or that good deed. It is not a duty to help Christ. It is a privilege. Oh, I just love that. I needed that today because I have been running around trying to fulfill this sub percent of women who's had such a hard life wish list. And she's wanted clothing that was hard to find and some books that were hard to find and a foot massager who, what kind did she want and why her, why are her feet miserable? And I'm just feeling kind of hassled, but at the same time, I'm so grateful for that opportunity to serve someone that I don't even know. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. what he's that's talking exactly about. That's exactly what he's saying. Wow. And 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 to emphasize the scripture that we, we say it so often, we almost become numb to it. When you do it unto one of these, the least among you, you do it unto me. Right. Right. And we always talk about, uh, in our services at our church, we always take the sacrament, and there's a phrase that says, always remember him. And mm-hmm. I think that is what we're doing when we serve others, whether it's uh, our newest baby or whether it's a neighbor or whether it's somebody we don't know. It's That is our way to say, I'm remembering you. I'm trying to be your hands. And I apologize for getting a little choked up. You know, it's interesting. Linda knows this, of course, but I don't even fully understand it myself. It's it's just with wondering awe because I I I sometimes wish I were more emotional than I than I am. Some of these funerals you mentioned we've been to, I'm like, why can't I just cry? I'd feel better if I just cried, you know. And but usually I don't. I don't usually choke up or have tears come to my eyes but when i do it's always when i'm thinking of christ that's interesting it's just the hardest hardest thing for me and and in a way the best thing for me so we want to read you another poem that it begins to i think get at these christmas conundrums and it's one that that i wrote and i wrote it for Meridian Magazine. Those of you who don't know about Meridian Magazine, just just keep that name in your mind and go type it in your search bar someday and and take a look at what's offered there every day. It's some of our really good friends have run this magazine for years. It's only online. And I've been doing one poem every week. And this is the poem for this coming week. And uh, it's called With Wondering Awe. 
And it, it does stem from a conversation and a discussion we had in Sunday school just this past Sunday about this interesting question that I brought up in the first half of the show. So let us read it by stanza. It's fairly short, and we'll read it fairly slowly because I think it has, and, and this poem is designed to, to bring you down a little bit in a way and then bring bring us all back up. And um, I think it gets at some of these Christmas conundrums. So again, it's called With Wondering Off. Question. As one studies Christ, does he or she move closer to or further from him? Instinctively, we say closer, of course. But listen to C.S. Lewis. Quote, beware of professed Christians who possess insufficient awe of Christ. Or Neil Maxwell. Quote, the more we ponder where we stand in relation to Jesus Christ, the more we realize that we do not stand at all. We kneel. Unquote. <clears throat> Scripture tells us that he created numberless worlds, that he is more intelligent than all other spirits combined. And Scripture juxtapositions his greatness with our nothingness. The shepherds felt wondering awe. Rather than knowing familiarity, the wise men too, for a mere babe in a rude stable. They felt wonder, awe, magic, joy incomprehensible, as we all should when contemplating his condescension. The vastness of space between his complete perfection and our incomplete imperfection should distance us. Yet, incomprehensibly, the vastness of his love draws us nearer. I want to read that again because the word vastness or vast, I think, is the key here to understanding. The vastness of space between his complete perfection and our incomplete imperfection should distance us. Yet incomprehensibly, the vastness of his love draws us nearer. Thus, the answer to the opening question is both. Spiritual oxymorons, distant closeness, intimate awe, familial worship, warm wonder so that's that of course it's harder it's hard to hear a poem sometimes because you can't look at it and poems are meant to be looked at and and read but remember i'm going to go back to the first stanza question as one studies christ does he or she move closer to or further from him and then i'm going to reread this last stanza and the one line conclusion Thus, the answer to the opening question is both. We find ourselves more distant, but also closer, which creates spiritual oxymorons. Distant closeness, intimate awe, familial worship, warm 
wonder. Oh, come, let us adore him. Wow. If we just spend a few minutes pausing from our franticness and realizing that that's what we're all here for, that's what life is about. It just changes your whole paradigm for the holidays. I just want to say, Linda, everything about Christ is incomprehensible to us. He combined all the things that we think are opposites, not because he compromised, but because his life was the epitome of both. That's why confident humility is not an oxymoron. Christ had both in total. So many of those things, and that's why we can feel more awe and more distance in terms of his greatness and our nothingness, and yet at the same time feel closer to him because of his spirit and because of his overwhelming love. And that's kind of our wish for you on this Christmas, the, the thought we hope will shine through these many Christmas conundrums and give you a feeling that you both worship and feel awe of him at the same time as feeling close to him as our elder brother. So we hope we've given you something to think about this. We've been thinking about this together. Thank you so much for joining us. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye till then. 